passionate about the truth of God's Word and will tell you like it is. Autumn Miles is a best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 16 years, mom to four children, not to mention everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. Hey, hey guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles, uh, here with you today. Welcome to a brand new, fresh episode of the Autumn Miles Show. I'm so glad that you're tuning in. I'm so glad that you're downloading. I'm so glad that you're involved. Listen, what a time to be alive. What a time to walk out what we know in our heads about faith. What a time to exercise faith. What a time to be alive. I um, I actually consider it quite an honor to be alive during what we're living right now, this year, 2021. I really feel strongly that um, we are called and just as anointed to be here as Esther was in her position. Um, and that's just not me and my team. That's you where you sit. If you are here, if you are listening, if you are leading, if you are whatever it is that you are doing, you are appointed to be here for such a time as this. You know, in the past, we've kind of talked about that, like real, like, you know, just kind of rolls off the tongue really easily. But we are actually, you need to know that you were chosen to be on this planet at this time. And um, you have purpose to do right now while you're here. So anyway, that's not my, that's not what I really want to talk about. That's just kind of how I'm coming out the gate today, coming in hot. Okay. So here we go. So I, you guys know I have four kids. So, so Friday, maybe it was Monday of last week, uh, Moses, my five-year-old son, who was almost six, got in the car and he said, Hey mom, uh, when are we going to have a mommy Mosey day? We call him Mosey. It's so cute. I mean, probably when he's 30 and, you know, muscular. Anyway, when he's a man, he's not going to want me to call him Mosey. But right now, Mosey works. So we got in the car and he said, mom, when are we going to have a mommy Mosey date? And I said, you know what? How about we do it on Friday? My kids have half days of school on Friday. So I go pick him up. I said, son, what would you like to do? Now, I hate to bowl. I hate bowling. I think it's disgusting. The shoes are disgusting. They have like weird amoebas in them. Um, They have like, Corona probably started in bowling shoes. Let's just be honest. Like there's so many (laughs) germs in bowling shoes. I can't even handle my life. I'm not wearing socks. Because I hate socks. It's weird. I don't I don't know. My husband makes fun of me all the time. He's like, you're disgusting. You don't wear socks. I think socks are gross too. I've got a weird foot thing, apparently. But I, uh, Moses gets in the car and he says, mom, I want to go bowling. I kind of dry heave a little bit just because I know that we're going to get some weird amoeba disease from the bowling alley. But, you know... As a mom, we live sacrificially. So I say, great, that sounds so fun. I'm so excited. Let's go to the bowling alley. So me and Mo, we um, we go to the bowling alley. Now I do choose a bowling alley that is new. We've had these several of these super like chic, like so cool, like fancy bowling alleys pop up all over Dallas. And um, so I drive, I go out of the way, honestly, to go to this new bowling alley and it, and it opened during Corona and you know, everyone's scared to touch everyone right now. So I know not a lot of people are going bowling. 
So I go to the new one thinking we'll, we'll get less disease from that one. We go, we get our little drinks and our little food and, you know, we're having like lunch while we bowl or whatever. I put our names in digitally now. You know when you used to have the cards? Well, now you do it digitally, okay? Which maybe they've been doing for a long time. I just haven't bowled in probably 20 years. And it asks you a question. Bumpers or no bumpers? Now, you know what the bumpers are. They come up. They literally protect your ball from making you feel like you're the worst uh, bowler ever. Like they don't let it go in the alleys. They come up in the middle of the alleys. And now they have digital bumpers. Before there were rubber bumpers. Like they just rolled the bumpers in and it was really embarrassing. Um, I don't know if any of you guys remember that, but the oldies will. A 40 and over will definitely remember that. So it asked me for Moses, do you want bumpers? And I explained him what they were, that it would that it would help him a little bit get, you know, a better score, basically. And he's like, yeah, I want bumpers. Well, when it came to me, I chose no bumpers. I'm 40 years old. I've bowled before. I'm going to ace this, okay? No bumpers for me. So we start bowling, and Moses, of course, the little, the little digital bumpers or whatever they are, not digital, but mechanical bumpers come up every time he bowls and he's doing pretty good. I mean, he's, he's doing great. Like he's knocking down five or six every time he's five years old. So I feel like that's a really great, great thing. Um, me with no bumpers, I'm knocking down about the same amount. <laughs> I'm like rocking my five pens per frame. Like I am rocking it. And then I get a couple of gutter balls and then I get a couple more because you know, I'm not a good bowler. And Moses comes over to me and he was like, mom, do you need the bumpers? Just put the bumpers up, mom. Just put the bumpers up. Me in my independent, I am taking this for every bad bowler in the world. I tell Moses, mommy does not need the bumpers. Mommy is an adult. I don't need the bumpers. And Moses is like, and we, he almost passionately is telling me, but mommy, if you would just use the bumpers, they would help you get a better score. And I thought, yes, they would help me, but I want to be a bad bowler. So I'm not going to use any help. We continue our game and Moses, uh, I did win, by the way, I beat a five-year-old. Are you guys so proud of me? Congratulations to me. But I will tell you this. I barely, I barely beat a five-year-old in two games of bowling, barely. And of course, this spiritual thought hit me. How many times do other people see that we are not doing well? How many times do other people look into our lives and say, man, they could really use some help, or I'm going to try to help them, or I'm going to try to suggest something to them that may help them along. But we, in our prideful, independent state, say, no, I don't want help. No, I don't want to do better. No, I can handle it. No, it's fine. No, I got this. No, I'm going to take this for every bad bowler in the world, and I don't need your help. And we push away the people that are trying to say, listen, all you need is the bumpers. You don't need an overhaul. You just need a little help. 
And I thought to myself, I feel like that's what we're kind of prone to do in our humanness. We refuse the bumpers because we want everyone to know that we can do it without them and we will be fine. But really, really, honestly, there are some seasons in our life when we need that spiritual bumper, when we need that mentor to come in and shake us up a little bit, when we need the Bible to really convict us to a place of change. Sometimes in our lives, it's okay, guys, to drop that I'm tough routine like I should have done and accept the help that was right there for me. We push it away thinking we've got this when really we should be admitting, yes, I need help right now by way of bumpers spiritually. I need help right now. I need help to get down this lane. I need help to get through this decision. I need help to get through this season of life. Sometimes we just need to say, I received the help. And you know what? If I would have done that, I would have beat Moses so bad, it would not have even been funny. I should have chosen the bumper so I could have been like, look how good a bowler mommy is. But no, no, he knew the truth. I'm terrible. And he's pretty good for a five-year-old. Okay, catch me on the other end of the break for a word from the Lord. What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve rather than Esther or Mary? To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply, but God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of His reach to use and redeem all things for His purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab the biblical harlot and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get a copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the Books tab. That's autumnmiles.com. Be sure to follow Autumn on all of your favorite social media platforms like Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, hey, 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 hey. We are back from the break. I hope you love the fact that I tell my family all the time. <laughs> it's funny. I I um I recorded something about my daughter not long ago, and I think she likes it. She was like, Mom, what did you say? And I'm like, you'll just have to listen to find out. Um, so they don't mind being a part of my, you know, thoughts and stuff like that. But anyway, just to share a little personal side of me with you. So I want to talk to you about something. We talked about beginnings and how to begin not long ago. And I want to kind of go along in that thought. We've gotten a lot of feedback about uh, this beginning series. We all, like I said, I think we're all beginning something, okay? No matter if you're like 20 or if you're 40 or if you're 60 or if you're 80, we have just come through a season where um, it has changed our thinking. So we are thinking differently. We're thinking about, you know, new new ways of doing things. Maybe we're following a dream that pre-corona, we would have been like, absolutely not, I'm not doing that, okay? And what I want to hit 
home today is out of Genesis 1 again, but I want to hit home on a passage of scripture that has literally carried me for 20 years as I have written three books had a daily radio show for five years, um, met all kinds of like super famous people and all this stuff, doing all doing all these interviews and traveling and doing all this stuff. I always felt when I was doing those types of things, a little inadequate. Like if someone actually knew um, that I was unqualified to be in the room, like maybe they'd ask me to leave. I always kind of felt when I did interviews with other people that maybe someone else should be there and I shouldn't be there. I always kind of felt that when God blessed me with an opportunity, I wish I would have known more or I wish I would have had more education in that topic or I wish I would have studied a little bit longer in order to, you know, make a better point. You know, even when my books came out, you know, they go through lots of editorial processes. I think they're they're theologically edited. Um, they're, they're edited, of course, from a grammar and spelling standpoint. They're content edited. They're, it just, it's like you send a manuscript to your publisher and it comes back looking very different. Okay. Um, because a lot of things have to be questioned before they put them out into the world. So every time I write a book, I'm, I always read the end product and think, man, I could have done this better. I could have said that better. And sometimes it, it, you enter into this and this is just me being super transparent with you. Sometimes we can face opportunities that God clearly gives us feeling like we're not good enough. But that is just a feeling, okay? That is not actual reality. Sometimes what we think we need to qualify us to the world, we do not need. What we think we need is not what actually we need to step up to the opportunity that God gives us. So as you are following down this new um, mindset and pattern, whatever, as you are facing new things this year, new opportunities, new challenges, new steps of faith, um, I want you, as you feel inadequate, I want you to start shifting that thought process to, I feel inadequate, but it doesn't mean I'm inadequate. Okay. I feel like I'm, I don't have enough experience, but that doesn't mean that I don't have enough experience because God would never give me something that he isn't going to equip me to do. Okay. So along those lines, I want to read to you. I'll pick it up in Genesis 1, 8, but I absolutely love this portion of scripture. Genesis 1, 8 says this, God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning a second day. Then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so, I love that. Let there be, I just think it's Haya. You guys remember from a, a week or so ago, Haya. God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the waters. He called seeds and God saw that it was good. Now I want to pause here because God's really been talking to me about this point through, I've studied Genesis one a lot. I did a huge, um, really inductive Bible study and, and filmed it a couple of years ago and, and went in the ins and outs of everything. And this is, this is not a part of that, but I wish I would have put it a part of that series. God throughout the process of the seven days stopped 
before the seven days was completed. And he said, during the process, it is good. We would have waited. We would have waited until day seven. We would have waited until the work was completed. And then we would have looked back at the work and we probably would have criticized it, okay? We might've said, ah, this piece is good, but this piece needs more work. There is something to be learned here that just because God wasn't finished with the entire seven-day process, he was able, just because he wasn't finished with it, didn't mean he couldn't celebrate it. He was able, in his wisdom, to take a piece of the process, to stop, to evaluate the process, And in this point, it was let the waters below and let the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And he called the dry land earth and the gathering of the waters he called the seeds. And God saw that it was good. He stopped and he saw that a portion of the process was good. He stopped and he celebrated what was not a finished product was good. I think we could take a nod from that. Your process does not have to be fully completed for you to stop and for you to say, this piece of the process is really good. It's really good. I'm going to celebrate what God's done in this piece of the process. We launched something today. We launched a ministry today, a Facebook page, an Instagram, whatever it is. I'm going to celebrate that today rather than waiting until I have, you know, 50 million subscribers. I'm going to celebrate the launch. Oh, we had 50 subscribers today. I'm going to celebrate that today. We need to stop waiting till the end of our journey, whatever that is, process, to look back and say, oh, it was good. We need to be thankful and celebrate sections of the process before we see the end to celebrate. Um, I, I love that part. It was a little, that's not really what I want to talk to you guys about, but I do think that's something that we overlook and that we, we never do. Um, I know in my book, I was just right waiting to get appointed Rahab and gangster prayer done. And then I celebrated. I felt like I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't celebrate and that's not right. When I finished a chapter, I should have celebrated. I should have said, thank you, God, for giving me the words to that chapter, because I felt like it was good. I felt like it was good, but I didn't celebrate because I wasn't done yet. And we need to do more of that. Anyway, tangent. Verse 10 says this, uh, God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the waters he called seeds. And God saw that it was good. 11, then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants, yielding seed and fruit trees on earth bearing fruit after their own kind. And this is what I want to focus on. After their own kind with seed in them. I'm going to read that again. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their own kind with seed in them. And it was so. 
The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their own time, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their own kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning a third day. Now, this has captivated my heart. It was so funny. I did this message um, and then I there was I did this message years ago and then it was like two months later that one of the one of the preachers that I listened to on podcast actually did a message just like this and I felt so smart. I was like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. Like I felt just very validated. But this with seeds in them is something that we do not ever talk about ever. It was the first time I found this on my own. It's not like not like I heard this somewhere. I was actually studying the scripture on my own and captivated by this phrase with seeds in them. He created the trees with seeds in them. And I paralleled that with myself. He created me with seeds in me to reproduce what he wanted me to reproduce. We see that happen with Adam and Eve, but this is the part I want to focus on because if God just created the trees and the trees alone with no, no seed in them whatsoever, they would have grown to their age and they would have died and it would have been over and it would have been done. The trees that were created didn't even know that they had the seeds in them in order to produce fruit after their own kind. They didn't know. I mean, trees don't have brains. They don't know. God put things in the trees that he knew the trees would need in order to produce fruit. If they didn't have those things, the trees would have been inadequate. They would have been for a season. I can't help but mirror this to our lives as well. When I am faced with a situation and I feel inadequate, I feel like, why don't you choose somebody who's got their doctorate and whatever? And maybe sometimes I I know that they do. (laughs) Why don't you choose someone that wasn't divorced? Why don't you choose someone? that, you know, is different than me. Opportunities that God has given me over the years, I've always felt a little bit like, I'm going to take it, but it's going to be fake. I'm going to take it, but I feel inadequate. I'm going to take it, but I really hope I don't let everybody down. And then this verse seems to recirculate in my mind via the Holy Spirit. Autumn, I have created you with seed in you that you haven't even been introduced to yet that I will use to help you accomplish, meet, and and succeed with this opportunity. Sometimes God needs to remind us that he is our creator, that he created us with the things that we needed in order to succeed. He knows what's in you more than you know what's in you. He knows when to pull those things out of you to produce fruit. He knows when to introduce you to yourself. 
He knows he's not going to give you an opportunity just to watch you fail and laugh at you and say, that was really, really funny. Me and the angels and Peter up here got a really good laugh at you. God does not play with us. He does not laugh at us. He does not make fun of us. There's not, you know, uh, there's not a pole in heaven at which one of us are going to take the bait and then, and then, and then fail miserably. And they're all going to take a poll on who's going to do that. He doesn't play games with us. No, he created us with the qualities that we need when we begin something or say yes to an opportunity or walk in a specific direction to meet that challenge with, with his help, with his help. I think about these trees a lot. And, you know, I really like trees. I'm like a fan of trees. Like if I could grow one in my house, I would. We have hardwood floors. I feel like they're kind of tree-ish. Um, I, I really like trees. Now, I'm not an outdoorsy person, but I love a tree. Okay. I remember I remember climbing trees when I was a kid. And we had this huge tree and it was, you know, really sprawl. I'm like, you can't see me because this is a podcast, but I'm I am reaching my hand up like a branch. Um, it was really sprawling and it, uh, it was, it was just huge. And, um, me and my brother and sister and all the neighbor kids, you know, back when you could, uh, back when you went outside and played with the neighbor kids on a regular basis, we would go to this tree that was in my yard and we would get in this tree and we all, all of us would take turns climbing to the very top of the tree. Now, it's sad that kids don't do this very much anymore. It's sad. It kind of makes me want to cry. I, I love my childhood. I, I want my kids to kind of live my childhood because it was it was so awesome. Now, dangerous? Yes. Did we fall out? Absolutely. Um, you know, did we I don't think anyone ever broke an arm, but even if we did break an arm, we wouldn't have told our parents because that's the way we lived back then. Like you just sucked it up and you dealt with your life. But we would climb this tree and we would climb this tree all the way up to the top. And when we would get to the top of the tree, you know, we would just kind of sit there and we would kind of talk. We would enjoy um, the tree. And I always thought about the tree, especially when the leaves changed in the autumn time. Um, you know, they would be really, really bright, brilliantly red. And then, of course, in the winter, they lose their leaves. And then we saw the buds come on them in March. I lived, I lived, actually, there was a lot of trees in my yard. And every time I think of this verse, I think of that season in my life that the tree didn't know what it was producing in me. That tree was producing courage in me. It was producing, I was learning how to communicate with people, you know, as they were up in the, uh, in the tree together, we were having fun. We were laughing. We were doing things that maybe we shouldn't have been doing, but it was super fun. We, I built friendships in that tree. I built um, dreams in that tree. I remember, I remember dreaming of, you know, being a radio host up in that tree. I remember dreaming of what my life would look like, what my kids would look like, what my future would look like up in that tree. I remember sleeping in that tree. I fell asleep one time as I was sitting in that tree. That tree produced things in me that you would have never thought. The tree was useful. And as I read this verse and I see, you know, God created the trees with seeds in them, you know, some seeds, um, some things that were created via that tree aren't even in this text. It's amazing how you look at it and you would see just a tree, but I look at it and I see my childhood. Sometimes we look at ourselves and we only see one thing, but God looks at us and he sees a vast 
vision of things he has prepared for us to do if we would only realize that he's placed things in us that he's going to mature in his time. As I read this verse, and as I've really come to live by this verse and this, this truth, it has helped me over the years not feel so inadequate, so unprepared, so uneducated, so not what I think someone else wants. I read this verse and I say, you know what? If God has given me the opportunity, then there's something in me that he sees. That he's placed there that I can't see. That he's going to use to help me achieve something for his glory. Just like there's seeds in the trees, there's seeds in you to produce fruit. I'm comforted by that deeply. My husband and I are about to start a really terrifying journey that you'll know about very soon. And I'm going to tell you just before we even announce it, I said no to this a lot. (laughs) I told the Lord, uh, I do not want to do this. I don't, I do not want to do this. I I really shut down even the thought of this immediately. And then one day I realized God wouldn't be asking it of me if there wasn't some seed in me that he's placed there that he wants to grow and mature and use in this area. As you look to 2021 and I mean, we're in February now as we're going into the second month and as you're starting with a new mindset and maybe, maybe new, maybe new opportunities, new jobs, new relationships, new seasons of life, whatever it is. When you feel inadequate, when you feel like you're not good enough, when you feel like you're not accomplished enough, when you feel like you're too young, when you feel like someone's qualified, someone else is qualified, that's better. I want you to think back on this. Now, God created me with things in me, seeds in me, just like the trees that I might not even know are there yet. And if God gives me the opportunity and if he's asked it of me, I'm going to believe that he's going to help me and he's going to mature these seeds in me to be able to accomplish whatever he wants me to accomplish to produce fruit. I hope that encourages you guys today. Ah, that was encouraging for me. I feel like I just you know, breathe some fresh oxygen. Catch me right after the break for a question from one of you. Are you looking for a passionate speaker for your next conference, church function, or fundraiser? Autumn Miles is the right fit for you. As the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministries, a live event ministry, Autumn has not only spoken at events around the country, she has planned and directed them. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she is passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. 
To find out how you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, guys, we're back from the break. I have a question from one of you. By the way, send me a question if you have one at hello at autumnmiles.com or you don't have to do that. You can send us a direct message on any of our socials, Instagram, Facebook. I don't do Twitter. I'm praying for them to find the Lord over there. Uh, but I am on Twitter, but I don't won't see anything. However, you can also comment on any of our the stuff that we post. Here's a question, which I think is great. I have a friend who is in a waiting period for a promise that I am currently living out. (laughs) Oh, this is such a good question. It's making me feel guilty and I'm not sure how to talk to her about this because of course it always comes up. What do you recommend? Okay. This happens a lot. Okay. Um, Maybe you got engaged in your friend really wants to be married super, super bad. And all you're doing is talking about your wedding and all she's doing is talking about how she wants to get married. Okay. Or, um, maybe you're pregnant with a baby, but your friend doesn't have any really hope at this point of getting pregnant. Okay. Or she wants a baby really bad and she can't get pregnant. Um, or you've reached an element of financial success and you've got a friend that needs, that is in great need of financial success. How do you navigate this? Well, humbly, okay, humbly, humbly you navigate it, first of all. Um, I will just tell from my own story, um, we have best friends, um, our very best friends that we spend a lot of time with. They don't, they don't live in Dallas, they live in Phoenix, but we had, they have been married three years longer than we have. So Eddie and I are coming up on 17, they're, they're coming up on 20. And we met them and the next week we met them, I got pregnant with Jude. Okay. Years later, we adopted Moses and then shortly after we adopted Haven. Okay. They had seen God be very, um, give us what we ask for as far as children. And they had none. And she struggled with infertility for almost 15 years. And we were very, I was very open about, uh, the fact that I can't wait for until God does this for you. I never sort of said, you know, look at all God's doing for me and not you. If you approach it that way, then you're just not good with people. Okay. There needs to be a sensitivity there that you share with them. I cannot wait until God does this for you. And even a step further, I am interceding and asking and believing that God does this thing that you desperately desire for you. I think this can go back to interceding on behalf of our friends and our sisters and our brothers in Christ and those that don't know the Lord. We can actually become, when we're in a situation where we have something that someone else desperately longs for, we can become their greatest intercessory prayer 
partner. Every time we're enjoying what God has given us, we can stand in the gap between them and heaven and beg God for those things that their heart desperately desires. Approach it very humbly. Lisa and I did this for a long time where she didn't ever want me to feel guilty about having four kids and they didn't have any of them. But I made it a point to constantly say, I am believing this for you. I am believing this is going to happen for you. And um, it really grew us together. Um, and now she's got two twins that I prayed for. And I and so I have self-appointed myself as their godmother because I feel like I want to be their godmother. So I've self-appointed myself as that. Be humble and be that person's intercessory prayer partner for that thing. And you see what God does. Then when it happens for them, you guys can celebrate together. Hope this helps. Love you guys. I'll catch you next week on a brand new edition of the Autumn Mile Show. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show.